Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Monday, and we are posting an instant classic for your inspiration. This message may come from anywhere around the globe, but is sure to stay with you for years to come. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. What a privilege. Hallelujah. What a privilege it is to be a part of this incredible vision that God's given us. And what an incredible conference it has been. Hallelujah. Very, very personal uh, to me. Uh, Great preaching this morning. Hallelujah. Uh, Turn in your Bibles um, to the book of Genesis. And uh, when I uh, first gave my life to Jesus, I asked him to cast my sin as far as the east is to the west. I had no idea he was going to cast me that far. India is probably as far east as uh, you can get from my home of uh, origin of New York before you start coming back. Amen. And, uh, you know, uh, it's been three years since I've been to a conference, but the good news this morning is that I'm not bitter, and uh, I'm enjoying every bit of it. Hallelujah. Um, That was tremendous preaching this morning. When I think of a servant... Uh, I have to say the first person that comes to my mind is Pastor Alan Asir. Uh, when he wakes up at 4 or 5 in the morning, he doesn't wake up to exercise and jog. Uh, he wakes up to jog up hills to reach a lost generation. Amen. And I know that uh, uh, his testimony and, and uh, amen. God bless you if you exercise. Hallelujah. But uh, I'm not. Uh, amen. But praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know if that's for you. Amen. The life of a new missionary is like living between two worlds, seemingly. You have the world that you came from, which is the predominant culture and upbringing. And then you have the one that you're engaging on. And you're searching out, you know, for a commonality or a platform from which to engage. Um, and you're in the wilderness with God as a missionary. Um, uh, uh, and it takes enormous patience. Um, it takes locating yourself, self-examination. Um, it demands a right attitude. Um, uh, but what is also true for a missionary is true for every Christian and anyone who will do the will of God and stand against their culture and the leanings, and bring the gospel to a lost generation. I read a book, uh, interestingly, about two years ago, called Skeletons in the Sahara. The cover actually looks just like the banner. And this book was about, it's the true story of a captain, James Riley, and the crew of the U.S. Commerce, and they're shipwrecked on the northwest shores of Africa, and their hair-raising capture by hostile Muslim Bedouins, and from a dream of prospering blue oceans to the nightmare of forced slavery by Muslims. Frequent thirst, starvation, barbarism, sandstorms, plagues of locusts, and occasional loss of a shipmate. The final chapters of this story tell the tale of courage and heroism as Some of these men, 
who began as tortured slaves ended up as an instrument to save their very captors from destruction. I find that one of the predominant themes in the Word of God is maintaining a right attitude in the midst of trying seasons. Daniel, in spite of being a slave in a heathen land, the Bible says he had an excellent spirit. Besides being accused, um, falsely accused, thrown in a pit of lions, um, what a testimony. Many here, God has a calling on your life. Sometimes that calling will seem like the most thrilling adventure. Um, Amen. I assure you, I am not bored in India. But sometimes it will seem like circumstances, events, and maybe even people, maybe even people of God, will seem to stand in the way of that calling. And the ultimate test of our heart is over the span of time and distance, will you maintain a right attitude of the faith and the wonder of the kingdom of God? I want to preach to you on longitudes and attitudes this morning out of the book of Genesis chapter 37 in our Bibles, Genesis 37. Then I want you to put your finger in Genesis 50, and we're going to uh, read that very familiar uh, text out of Genesis 50, if you'll go there with me. Genesis 37, verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this, this dream which I have dreamed. Uh, there were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheave. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told his brothers and said, Look, I've dreamed another dream. This time the sun, moon, and the eleven stars bowed to me. So he told it to his father and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I And your brothers indeed come to you and bow to the earth before you. And his brothers envied him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Let's turn to verse, chapter 50, verse 19. We'll look at 19 and 20. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. This is after many, many chapters and the whole story of Joseph's lives. And I'm preaching to many pastors here. You know the story. For am I? He says, don't be afraid to his brother. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant it for evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many souls alive. Let's pray. God, we need you this morning desperately in a lost generation. God, we ask you to deal with the issues of our heart, every uncovered issue, God, or covered issue. God, I pray that you would help us. God, we believe you this morning. For vessels cleansed from the latter, fit for the master. For your use to save many souls alive in our generation. In Jesus' name, amen. Dreams this morning are either costly or they're just dreams. It's wonderful to be inspired by a dream, especially a God-given dream. We need to dream, and we need to dream big dreams. How many know that? Amen. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowing. But what Joseph didn't understand um, is in that instant when he said that, there was going to be a price attached to that dream. And so the, in the, there's the temptation to boast um, without understanding the cost and the purpose. Um, Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow. A lot of Christians don't understand that. 
At the age of 17, Joseph's mouth ran faster than his mind. And the evidence is that God would have to humble him in order to fulfill that dream. As a disciple in this church, I had a dream. It was in the middle of the night. It was a powerful, powerful dream. I never told anyone except my wife and one other friend who was a disciple. And uh, it woke me up in tears. It woke me up powerfully. It was like a full, vivid dream. Um, And it was me standing on a platform preaching to a darker-skinned people. Immediately, I... I, I said, I know what this is, and, uh, I tur- and I, my wife and I, and I went to pastor, and I said, Pastor, we're going to go start a, a Bible study on, on the Sacatone Indian Reservation, and we went out and did that, and uh, it, we invested uh, lots of money, time, um, and effort, and it was a complete failure, not a single fruit from that. Pastor Campbell was so gracious to us, subsequent to that, he invited us, uh, uh, he, 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 he brought us on um, as door director. Um, and uh, Joseph, how many know, uh, was sent out by his father to the field. How many know, you know if you, either a dream is a dream um, with a cost or it's just a dream. Joseph was sent out by his father to the field among his brothers. But the favor of the father would be challenged. Pioneering is going out into a field where your father's favor will be challenged by hell. In fact, um, if you ever hear your pastor saying good things about you, um, brace yourself, the devil's going to challenge that. Amen. Uh, You know, uh, the devil hates what God loves. And if you have favor of God, the more so you need to check your pride at the door. Joseph will be plunged into a life of slavery where his very commitment to God, his reason to exist, is going to be tested. So many times, as in the life of Joseph, the enemy of our dreams is time. Time can weather our hopes and our dreams for God, the difficulties, the disappointments, the unexpected turns, like the axe dulls by the many blows. So... Can life dull our dreams by the many blows over the course of time? But God is a just God, and what I've learned is that where there is a high cost, there is usually a high reward. As you measure out, it will be measured out to you. And the nature of our calling and our fellowship is that to fulfill the will of God, you will have to leave the nest of comfort. And it is in this new area that we are the most exposed to the elements of life. It is easy to sit in a church, how many know, and hear good preaching. It is another thing to go out and personally be a witness. It is an easy thing um, to sit on the back row of ministry um, or to be told what to do. It is another thing to be a leader of a ministry um, and have to endure um, the trials of that and the tests. It is easy to sit in a church and, you know, be discipled, hear preaching. It's a whole other thing to go out and pioneer and establish that in another city. But the devil's agenda is to discourage you to kill your attitude, to begin to blame others, even to begin to blame God. God, if you gave me a dream, why is this happening to me? And his aim is to catch you at a distance. This is Lot's wife when she was 
following at a distance is when she turned back. Peter, as he followed Jesus at a distance, that's when he denied the Lord. Um, And the devil will catch you at a distance. Maybe it's a distance from your prayer closet. Maybe it's a distance um, uh, from um, uh, uh, God's word. Um, It could be at a distance from your pastor. I want to look secondly at the longitudes of life. In other words, the realities of ministry. Longitude measures the distance in degrees in time. And while a missionary's call involves a far journey, time, a distance between his pastor, separation from his friends, family familiar, the mother church, the truth is today, technology, time management, recreation, swing shifts, and lots of other things separate people. You can be a missionary truly in your own city. It is inevitable that you will contend with the elements um, of life that are designed to separate um, you from brothers and sisters, headship, um, and the mother church. And much of Jesus' preaching um, and teaching um, presents the illustration of what are you going to do when uh, the master is away. You've probably heard that before. The master is Jesus, but it's an allusion to headship as well. The master of the vineyard, the parable of the talents, the unjust steward, um, and all these things are ultimately preparing us to be accountable to Jesus when we stand before him in the judgment. But this is the umbilical cord generation, amen. There, and <laughs> this is not a sermon to excuse you to isolate yourself from your pastor, amen. But we live in a, in a generation that, amen, you know, I was reading about Smith Wigglesworth. Um, he was invited by uh, two preachers, elder preachers, uh, 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 and uh, by the time he got there by boat, um, uh, they had passed away to do a revival meeting. Some revival, amen. But, you know, you know we could pick up a phone and make a, I mean, we live in a generation of text messaging and, and uh, internet. It's unbelievable. There is no excuse to be separated spiritually. But the thought that I'm bringing is, what will you do while the eyes are not on you? While your pastor is away preaching? While he cannot give you a thumbs up and a thumbs down on every move and every single decision that you are making? Jesus spent three years with his disciples, but the real test of the ministry was, what were they going to do when he went away? What will you do? What will you say? What do you say to people? What do you speak When pastor's not around, would you say it if pastor was there in the room? You probably wouldn't say it then if Jesus was in the room. The longitudes of life uncovers who we are. I will never forget Pastor Campbell telling me these words, the real you comes out when you are overseas. He said to me one time, Dan, there's no telling what God can do in the nation of India if you just won't get a kinked heart. That's easy to receive when, like Brad Campbell said, you're preaching to a large crowd. But when that large crowd is chasing you, that's another story. Amen. (laughs) But it uncovers who we are. It'll tell what you're going to do in the situation, in tough times. It will tell if you will allow your relationship with your pastor to go on autopilot. Have you graduated from the need of correction and discipline and advice? Pastor doesn't know what's going on in my city. I know what God called me to do. It's amazing how people can hear from God when someone else is paying the bill. 
when someone else is uh, undergirding. And, 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 you know, you can hear from God, but you can't hear from your pastor. God, I thought God uses our pastors to speak to us. It's amazing God can never tell you to partner with your pastor. I remember when we were in Phoenix, um, God gave us tremendous revival in one year, and we had to move, we were forced to move out of, the, of a little, little space, and we broke out, and, and we, we did remodeling, and we, had, we did get support. Chandler supported us tremendously, with, not only with money, but with people, and we were very grateful for that. We came to the end of that money, and uh, there was still several thousand dollars that we needed to complete the project. And, uh, you know, God could speak to me. I'll, yeah, just pick up the phone. Hey, Pastor. Yeah, I, I would like to say that God told me to call Pastor Campbell and say, I need more money. You know what God told me? God said, look in your own bank account. We wiped our account clean to help to invest in a work that we were laboring in. Can God speak to you to partner with Pastor Campbell financially? The longitudes of life. Let me tell you three longitudes that we must endure. Number one, failures. We are inevitably going to, go, going to have some unexpected um, results. We're going to blow it somewhere. Because there are areas of our ministry that can only be developed on the field. Um, and these are especially the times that the devil will test us. Um, uh, you know, he'll say things like, you were ill-equipped um, to go out. Or, you know, you were not given a projector, um, and so you can't fulfill um, the will of God. Or, um, uh, you know, you, you, uh, you're too young. You know, Jeremiah, I am but a youth. And the reality is you can't expect the whole fellowship to come running to your dreams um, for your church, for your city, um, and get frustrated when it seems like you've been left in a pit. You, know, you, ever, you know, abstract thinkers, man. And I know because I was one. Abstract thinkers, amen, uh, uh, they're not very organized. <laughs> they always have an epiphany, you know, oh, I got a great idea, and uh, I could get the whole fellowship to help me with it, and you know, no problem, um, that's fine, uh, that you, you got your idea three days ago and want everybody to join you, and you get upset when nobody shows up, and they've been planning for three months. And, I, you know, I'm not against spontaneity. We need spontaneity in the kingdom of God. But, uh, you know, some people that uh, do everything spontaneously usually have trouble getting to church on time. And in the times, listen, Proverbs says the plans of the diligent lead to plenty. And in a time of our own misstep, we can question pastor. We can question the fellowship's wisdom in sending you out. And come to bad conclusions. The second longitude is the promises that have been delayed. In other words, unmet expectations that stifle our hopes. We've all heard the promises of God. This, this is the promise of God to reach a lost generation. We've heard it in his word. We've heard it through the mouth of our pastors. We've heard it in a word of prophecy given to us, possibly at an altar. And Joseph had his promises, but listen, in Egypt, they seemed so far away. His trials, if you read about his life, his trials spanned for 14 chapters out of the book of Genesis. They even skip him one whole chapter and don't even think about him, just to set it in and leave, <laughs> make sure that he's got a right heart. And he's forgotten. 
Peter said there will be scoffers in these last days saying, where is the promise? And the purpose is to tempt you to lower your standards and justify carnality and open you up to funky attitudes. And, you know, pastor didn't come for my grand opening. You know, how many, you know, there's not many of him. And if we want to see this generation one, we're going to have to learn to share. Amen. He's not the Holy Spirit. Truth is, when you begin to cop an attitude against your pastor, look deeper, it's usually against God. Bad attitudes ultimately are telling Father God, you are mistreating me. You are not respecting me. Joseph's brothers seethed with hatred because their father loved him. The elder brother vented about the prodigal, um, because, but the real issue was um, how the father treated the prodigal. Cain was upset with Abel because God was pleased with him. And Jesus said, is your eye evil because my eye is good? The third longitude is our successes. Years later, Joseph is the prime minister. What happens to your ego when your ministry goes prime time? When you go fellowship prime time, you have connections you ever see this? You know, I've, I've shaken hands with some people, you know, and it's like, you know, you know. <laughs> I'm not worthy of breathing the same air as them. Praise God, that's not many. Hallelujah, thank God for that. But if you think about it, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Joseph almost failed right here. Tricking his brothers. You remember the little tricks he was playing, throwing the things in the sacks, and you know, and he was having fun. You could tell. You read the text. He named his own son Manasseh, which means the Lord has caused me to forget all my toil and all of my father's house. That sounds like an attitude to me. Lord's caused me to forget my father's house. Let me ask you when God wants to bless your ministry. Will you forget where you came from? Beware of estranging yourself or estranging your ministry from your origin. Um, you just may cut off your own destiny from the very branch. I read a book called Egonomics, and it was a very interesting um, statistic. It analyzed uh, the effect of corporate egos. And it suggested that the, uh, uh, the, 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 the Fortune 500 companies, um, that uh, egos were the invisible line item um, uh, that kicked them in the butt. And he, it said that it costed corporate Fortune 500 companies, one point, on average, $1.6 billion, people's egos. And when they looked at how much they profited that year, it was about the same. Let me ask you a question. You may be having some successes on the field of ministry but is your attitude taking away from that success? Whatever your gain is, what are you losing because of a foul attitude? What friendships this week in conference are you either gaining or losing because of your attitude? Attitude is so crucial. It is so central to all that we are doing you can be right, but with a wrong spirit. Bad attitudes are deadly. 
They can kill you dead in your tracks. A negative view of circumstances, people. Saul sought David's life in a jealous rage after he had a success with Goliath. A lot of people say you know, one of the greatest things, accomplishments of David was to slay Goliath and the scripture. And it's all, but I think the greatest accomplishment of David is to stand against Saul so many years. But listen to me, bad attitudes will cause you to kill the thing that could be the blessing to you. The elder brother, listen, the elder brother um, saw the feast um, that the father prepared uh, for the prodigal, but his attitude kept him from rejoicing um, together with the whole party. Jonah has been called, as you know, the pouting prophet. In other words, what's in it for me? Why did you bring me to this city? And his whole attitude taints his ministry. Moses lost his destiny. Michael, uh, David's wife, was barren. Um, Naomi told her daughter-in-law to go back. Um, your attitude can cause people to backslide. Attitude is a vitality sign. It's a signal of your spiritual health. That's why God asked Cain, why has your countenance fallen? But there's a pro- powerful promise in our text and to those who can pass the longitudes of life with the right attitude. And, you know, in an age of instant messaging, sound bites, you know, like Alan was talking about, thin slicing, um, uh, you know, um, uh, Facebook namespace. Um, and, uh, you know, we dream of the instant disciple. In an age of pop culture whim, um, things change like that. We want to make an instant decision. Um, let me tell you, the best products in the kingdom of God are, are processed through time and painful investment. I close with the blessing of lasting I want to look at several keys to longevity and maintaining a right attitude. How did Joseph overcome the longitudes with a right attitude and step into blessing? It's right in our text. Number one, accountability. Accountability. Joseph was accountable, and the Bible says he found favor. Genesis 39.4, Joseph found favor. It's in Potiphar's sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. Genesis 39.23, the keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority. Genesis 41.41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. This is the kind of person, this is the kind of couple um, uh, that God is looking for in the kingdom, uh, that your pastor uh, can launch you out and send you into a city uh, and not have anything to worry about. You're going to treat your wife well. You're going to do what you're supposed to do, go on outreach. Uh, You're going to manage money correctly. Uh, You're going to maintain a right spirit. Hallelujah. God can use this kind of man. And it's tested in the littler things over time. Amen. He was faithful with that which is least, is faithful also in much. Which brings me to my next thought, your attitude about money. Generosity. Joseph, at 17 years old, understood um, he needed to feed his father's flock. Even in, the, even in the dungeon of life, Joseph is a blessing to other people and feeding them spiritually. And giving revelation. Listen, yesterday in a lunch uh, with Pastor, uh, not, uh, yesterday with Pastor uh, Pastor Campbell, uh, uh, we were sitting there, and and uh, someone uh, paid the bill, and and uh, they didn't want to be named. That's the kind of giver God's looking for. You just want to be a blessing. That's all you did it for. You didn't do it to, to be seen. It'll change the way you give. 
you'll probably give more. Because it's unto God and it's not unto men. You'll be limited if you're giving to men. But if you give to God, you'll see he's the, he still holds the earth in the palm of his hands. And he can help you in your finances if you'll be faithful and understand and have a good attitude about money. Thirdly, an attitude about people. What people are there for. Are they there for you or are you there for them? You want to see fruit? Get a right perspective on uh, why God placed you in your city. Um, uh, he did not place you there, I assure you, um, uh, to sell a book um, or to go on TV. He put you there to serve, to love people. And listen, if you love people, you, will never want to, you won't want to leave them. You won't want to switch around, you know, if you really love them. It was, a, it was a painful, painful thing to leave Phoenix, Arizona. And I couldn't imagine leaving India because we built strong relationships that'll last eternity. Your attitude about people. And the result of all of this, the result of all these attitudes is that God was with him. Genesis 39.3, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper. How many know if God is for you, um, who can stand against you? You can take blow after blow um, and keep standing. Um, if you want to be, uh, if you want God uh, to be alongside you, um, you know, uh, this is a man who gave God the glory for what he did through him. Um, you need to keep a right attitude. Joseph was the type of guy that God could use to deliver large numbers of people without getting a big head. He said, am I, to his brothers, am I in the place of God? See, no longer is Joseph boasting about his dreams, but now he is interpreting other people's dreams. Genesis 41, 16, so Joseph answered a, a Pharaoh saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Verse 38, Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, um, a man whom um, is the Spirit of God, um, in whom is, um, and so um, listen, that what you do in secret place of prayer, um, uh, 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 what, when you pray for those um, who um, are against you maybe, um, or those who uh, co- uh, 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 don't like you, um, or those who put up websites against you, um, amen, uh, it determines uh, your attitude of who God is. And amen, I sit there and pray. I pray against them, but, you know, <laughs> put up websites, but uh, shut them down, God. But like Daniel, a man with an excellent spirit, God, this, see, this man was uncluttered with, with, with wrong types of attitude. Um, he was a clean slate that God was able to reveal things to. Same thing with Daniel, same thing with Joseph, on and on and on. Joseph understood exactly what the blessing of God was for. It's amazing how God works. Three long-standing antagonists against us in uh, Bangalore. One was a father. Uh, uh, for four years, he beat his son for attending our church. Another one was a wealthy landowner. His son... He literally stood him. He said, you sit down in front of me. You bow down and you worship me. That's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a tradition in, in uh, India. And his son said, I will not do that. I serve Jesus only. His father disowns him, casts him out of the house. Another was a woman who our uh, guitar player uh, 
her son attended our church, very faithful young man, works at the call center. God used him powerfully, uh, bringing people in, very fruitful. She hated, she's a Catholic, hated our church. Went to several police stations, um, uh, filing complaints against her son, because you could do that in India. It's all about emotions in India. And uh, you can actually file a complaint, a police complaint against someone, um, and uh, because uh, the, the, the government knows that people are very emotionally unstable, and so you cannot do anything to destabilize someone's emotions. Uh, let me read to you a little, me- a little uh, letter that uh, uh, she wrote uh, to me. Uh, this is Tamil. It's got the little Hindu dot on it. You know, Catholics in India are also Hindus. And so... Dear Pastor, my name is Mercy. I am writing this letter to, with reference to my son, Christopher. Please leave him. Please do not write, uh, invite my son. If he comes to your church, I will kill myself in front of your church. I am not joking. I have given a written complaint against you. When my son was in our old church, he was a very good boy. I'm sure he was. Don't hold my son. If you are going to do so, I will go to the TV station. I will tell that they have kidnapped my son. We are Catholics um, uh, in your church. Um, uh, you, you have told many things. Um, you have separated my son from me. I'm a widow. Uh, if something goes, happens to me for my son, you're going to be in trouble. Leave my son alone. And she gave me a deadline. She's going to take her life. Those three people that I just mentioned to you this year have come into the church, given their lives to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Chapter 50, verse 20. So it would be as it is this day to save many souls alive. See, in the beginning... What Joseph didn't understand about the heartaches of leading people to Jesus, could it be that possibly the very ones that are causing you the most heartache are the very ones God is calling you to deliver? That this may be the very thing that validates your ministry, that this may be even the ultimate test of ministry. Jesus is weeping um, over Jerusalem, giving his life um, for the very ones that are going to kill him. That somehow in the end, that when it's all turned around, it's God and not me who gets all the glory for this. Moses, we heard a lot of bad press about Moses, but remember, the very ones that caused him the most heartbreak were the ones that God was calling him to deliver. Is it possible that God is using the heartbreak of your family, of your ministry, of your church, of your city to help propel you into his very will to save many souls alive. Possibly the very souls who give you the most heartaches. Captain James Riley, an American slave in the Sahara, surely he never expected that he'd be an instrument used to save his very captors. Years ago, Pastor Campbell and Pastor Mitchell opened their hearts to the nation of India. They invested a large amount of money. And I had a tremendous privilege of going. Uh, I preached in um, the northern part of India and uh, uh, had a privilege of going to a little uh, town that was tucked away in the, in, in the north uh, uh, east corner um, uh, called Aurangabad. You probably heard Pastor Campbell preach about the Ellora Caves. And I had the privilege of going to 
stand in the very uh, piece of ground that Pastor Campbell and Pastor Mitchell once preached revival in um, crusade. I, pr- I was able to preach a crusade there also and saw an incredible result. God really moved and it was tremendous. And uh, the pastor there, um, uh, uh, he, he, was, he gave me his little scrapbook and he allowed me to go through uh, the pages of, of our history in India. And uh, uh, he showed me one letter that, uh, of, of, of a man and, and I have with me a memento of that occasion, of that time, that he gave me. Years ago, Pastor Campbell and Pastor Mitchell, Pastor mentioned it, preaching a revival. But there was a man, how many know, who had a different idea of what God's people were and what an attitude of what God's money was meant for. Ripped off money, ripped off Pastor Campbell, ripped off uh, 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 Pastor Mitchell, but how many know today we have going to be 17 churches in India as a result of, and a truth and a confidence that Pastor Campbell, Pastor Mitchell have not lost their attitude for India. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. That a whole nation the devil tried to write off of 1.5 billion souls, it's going to be the most populous nation in the world because they didn't allow their attitude to get soured. Hallelujah. I wonder this morning, through heartbreak and betrayal, can you see God's plan? We've only begun to see the possibilities. Precious souls, heaven bound. Can you see your situation this morning um, in the eye um, uh, of God's will? Like Joseph, can you say, look, when Joseph had the opportunity to chop heads, he said, am I in the place of God? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save many souls alive. Would you bow your heads with me?